Welcome to Rotten Radio. Rotten Radio is a monthly podcast we bring you the first Wednesday of the month with the Rutten Brothers. Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary Church in Sioux Falls. Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg. And Joe Rutten, professor and director of the Benedictine Institute for Leadership, Ethics, and Social Justice at Mount Marty College. Let's join them now for a little faith, family, and plenty of fun. Good morning, Rutstars! From coast to coast, we give you a toast as you listen to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. I'm your host, Joe Rutten, Director of the Benedictine Leadership Institute at Mount Marty College, and I'm joined, as always, by my brothers, Rutten. I'm Father John Rutten, Pastor of St. John Paul II in Harrisburg, South Dakota. And I'm Father Paul Rutten, Pastor of St. Mary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And brothers, together we are Rutten Radio. Radio. All right. Well, listeners, uh, from across the Great Plains, this is an interesting time. So uh, we are, uh, it's April 1st, Wednesday, April 1st, that uh, you'd be listening to us. We pre-record this, and so we're a week ahead of y'all. But we just want to acknowledge that in the circumstances with the virus, that things change at a, a, a quick speed. And every day seems to be new and different. So we're a week behind as we record, but uh, this is April 1st that you'll be listening to this. Um, So with that, uh, you can follow us here and interact with us on Facebook, though. Uh, We have the Rutten Radio Facebook page. We'd love to have you hit us up. And, uh, you know, you can check on our cell phone. Some of you have that as well. So if you don't have the... uh, the app for your phone and you're listening in your car and you got the iDevices too, I encourage you to download this onto your phone and you can take us wherever you want to go. But the app makes us global, brothers, from coast to coast. Uh, people uh, can hear us and from around the world. So with that, gentlemen, let the festivities begin. So, brothers, uh, crazy times. How are we doing? Well, I guess I'm learning I'm not in control. <laughs> uh, it seems like every time I thought I had things figured out, uh, uh the news came on and things changed. It, it's been just kind of almost surreal. I told people, or actually, I tell people, yeah. I'm living a dream. Yeah, nightmares are a dream. <laughs> no, no, but it is like a dream. You just want to wake up from it. Yeah, and I'm right. I'm learning to look at really difficult situations uh, yeah. more honestly. That yeah. it's easy to look at things and not really admit the difficulty of them, but you sort of don't have a way except mm-hmm. to say this is really really difficult. Um, and the part of it that's most challenging is it all comes at once or it all comes like one <laughs> after the other. <laughs> so it's not like you have a, you know, so that's, that's what I'm up to. But. Joe, you, you know, I, I think uh, that movie of the month then is going to be a good movie to discuss here because it seems like in the movie, it's one thing after another. Right. I just thought to myself, yeah. Oh man, this is what the priest must be dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At um, that we should, should we just jump in? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, let's jump right up on into this thing. So the movie of the month here, we got uh, Calvary. Yeah. And fantastic, I... fantastic movie. Father Paul, would you uh, kind of introduce us uh, and the listeners sure. to the context for Calvary? Yeah. Uh, so while a priest is hearing confessions on a Sunday morning, he is told that he will be killed the following Sunday for crimes he did not commit. Father James spends the week ministering to his people and trying to figure out who wants him dead and if there's anything he can do to stop it. John? 
should we have any warnings or hesitations? Yeah, there's some warnings. They're Irish. Uh, they're, they're Irish, so there's a few swear words. Uh, there's some violence yeah. definitely in it. Uh, and But mostly it's there's sexual situations that I would say are not overt, but definitely uh, parents, you should watch this first. Uh, through language and circumstances, it's clear that there's more going on. So yeah. it's it's not the same that you might think, but you definitely want to watch it first before you watch it with uh, right. young people. Yeah. Right, right. And, and be aware that we're going to be talking about the whole movie as we go forward. So that's that's definitely a spoiler alert. If you want to watch it and not have, you know, know the end of it, you got to just turn this off now, watch it first, then come back and watch it on the app. There you go. Perfect. Right. You can do you can do the podcast uh, version of it on your app down the road. But man, fantastic, fantastic movie! I just, uh, uh, you know, I think first just your initial thoughts on it. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I was to watch it again. Uh, sorry, Paul. What'd you kind of think? Have you had you seen it before? Paul? No, and you know I hadn't seen it, and I didn't even know about it. So for me, it was just so much coming at me. I was just like trying to process, and every time I thought I had it. Uh, another situation, another circumstance would, would really just come up. And I think for me, and maybe if Father John would agree, because it's a priest, I kept asking myself, what would I do? What would I do? Uh, what would I do? Uh, and so there was always this constant having to think about the situation and, and you know, how am I going to handle this? Or how would I? Or what, what, did I think he did the right thing or not the right thing? So it's just a lot. It's intense. So just give yourself some time if you're going to watch it. Yeah, and maybe as a part of the disclaimer, uh, it is about sexual abuse, the right. sexual abuse scandal. But um, so be aware of that, you know, yeah. as as you're watching it, uh, whether you choose to watch it or not. Uh, it's my second time watching the movie, and so I realized this time the depths of it. And as we found out on Rutten Radio <laughs> movie reviews before, <laughs> Father John Rutten doesn't really pick up much <laughs> the first time. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Usually the second or third. So none of you are going to be surprised that it's my second time around. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a really deep movie, you know? And Father right. Paul's like, the minute he's watching it, gripped with... Uh, so, uh, but the agony of daily living yeah. when you're in front of so many concerns of people and the evils of the world, I just kept thinking, and maybe I didn't think about it in light of where we are, but uh, it just hit me that to carry that and beware of all of those things that are going on. Uh, and also with the pre-scandal, we're more and more used to speaking of things and bringing them to the authority, which right. is right, which is part of the scandal is that people right. didn't bring it to the authority or the authorities weren't listening to them when they brought that. Uh, but you see also the other end of it that the priest becomes aware of everything. Yeah. And then it's like, well, now what, what do you say and what do you not say? And what do you have? Yeah. That's, you know, even, even not just the sacramental side of things, that's clear, but the non-sacramental side of things, like how he approaches, there's the circumstance with the abused woman. Sure. Sure. And I thought, oh my gosh, like. Every one of these moments is carrying with it, like, what do I do? Right. Yeah, what's my role, my, my responsibility? And you can really see the importance of the priest in the town. Like, he really yeah. is, you know, for better or for worse, he's it mm -hmm. for everything. Mm -hmm. So, Joe, how many times did you see it? Well, I'd, uh, this would be the third time. Jason Heron, um, uh, my buddy down at Mount Marty, is the one that put me onto it first. 
And I remember when he got excited about it, he's a person with great depth and he loves movies with, with insight. And so I thought, oh, this would be interesting. I watched it the first time and I liked it, but you know, I was like, watch it again and it was still good. But I'm telling you this time it hit me completely different. I don't know what it was, but the depth and complexity of it, I think that's probably it is I realized right away at the beginning this time, um, it, it, it was like, I saw the whole movie and its totality moving and I could see at different levels that I hadn't pre- previously seen before. And it was just like these, I thought that the movie does a great job of opening up windows into people's lives. Right. Like you get a sense of the daily life of humanity. It's, it moved well. I like this. And, and, and it just felt like one of those movies where you're like, you know what? This is real. This is the reality of people's lives. Now, they pack in all the garbage, if you will, all the evil into, you know, a two-hour movie. Uh, but it's the reality of people's lives, and they make you realize, hey, this is what people go through. So, you know, the depth and the insight and those themes that I, I just love so much as, as kind of a philosopher, uh, you know, that'd be worth, I think, you know, digging into that, John and Paul, and just saying, hey, you know, what are those, those John? You're 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 the person of, of insight. It just takes you a little while, I think, is what you said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what what was maybe some of those those insights that you, you kind of grabbed you and you thought, you know what, this is this is worth watching because of this insight. Yeah the um, the dynamic that struck me was uh, the temptation to see people as those who are in or out, or those that are on the good side and those that are on the bad side. And it might take a minute to understand this, but um, the more people, the more you saw into each person's life, each circumstance, the more you realize, oh my gosh, this whole town's kind of, <laughs> yep, got a lot of problems. <laughs> you, know, you know, I was like, yeah. this is this is like a game of this is like the Irish version of the game Clue. Yeah. No, absolutely. Every character is like screwed up in a different kind of way. And, and a potential like, for wanting to, to kill father. Actually, yeah, it is like right. Clue, isn't yeah. it? It's the Irish version of Clue, folks. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, that is exactly it. Yeah. And and the thing that struck me, though, is as a priest, I sort of have this like, oh, they're, they're on the out. They're not good good they're the sinner where's the right and wrong and and as you watch it you sort of see like everyone belongs to this community and everybody has something mm-hmm. that's a bit messed up uh and and because of that so so this need to when i look at people i don't want to categorize them you right. know it's so easy to right. grow in a way even as christians or non-christians even we grow moralistically where we're like who's good and who's bad okay whether you're christian or not i think this is the culture we live in who's good who's bad who's doing the right stuff who's doing the wrong stuff and so everyone you approach you approach them in a way in which you immediately fit them into a category mm-hmm. as opposed to being able to look and approach and and be introduced to somebody that you see a person first and with that, then you begin to see a person that has all kinds of dynamics and they're flawed in some ways, yeah. uh, helps you then see the totality of all. And you can really then embrace the whole of the community or the whole of the person or the whole of the family. Um, so that was one of the things that I was like, wow, everybody's, but don't we see this in our lives? Right. We just want to put up our protections 
so that nobody sees the thing I'm struggling with. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I, you know, I remember yeah. growing up in the North End here in the cathedral, my job after what I think it was in fifth grade, I just like decided the Rutten family needs to have a better image and it's my job to, to, to put that forward. Better image? What? The? I gave it. I gave it a great image. Come on. <laughs> really? I mean, I no, mean, no, 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 no. I understand. I thought well, we yeah. need, you know, yeah, we my need, job. Yeah, mom and dad are busy. They aren't on the board. They aren't on the. They aren't getting the awards. They aren't. So sure. So I'm gonna get the awards. Right. Well, that betrays wow. the truth of what's really on the inside. And so people think, oh, the Rutten family, they're so great. You know. Well. <laughs> And don't we all have this? So right. what does huh? it mean to have a place where I can really say the truth of who I am? And then you begin to see the gift of the church. Mm -hmm. You see the role of the priest. Is the priest is the place where you can say, This is who I really am. Right. And it's this is not why I like this show is because I find out so much about you two. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, never, I never knew you went through your life trying to put a words up and, and make a better image for our family, but I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That allowed you to be the reason that I needed to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't something really, I mean, it's only something. And not even that you do that conscious. You, yeah, yeah, I didn't do it consciously, but later on. Mm -hmm. So right. that would be something I, I recognized. Sure. For me, so one of the interesting things, Father James had been married and his wife died. And so his daughter comes into the picture and his daughter comes into the picture after having tried to kill herself, but failed because she didn't slice the right way. Uh, and they're sitting there talking and, uh, and he says to his daughter, I think there's too much talk about sins and not enough about virtues. Right. And she says, well, what would be your number one? Uh, and he replies, I think forgiveness has been highly underrated. And I do think that this sort of goes back to what Father John was saying, like this idea that we so focus on sin, 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 sin. And really, where's the virtues? And not that we don't have to, you know, acknowledge that there's sins and struggles, but do we also see that people are trying? Like there is an attempt, there is a desire, there is this other side to the whole thing and the need for forgiveness, you know? Um, yeah. Like, because I kept you know, thinking as you looked at the, uh, if you looked at the town, it's, it's any small town. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's any small town. If you dug beneath the surface. Right. And the real right. question is, shout out. Yep. Go ahead. Um, you know, Tom Lorang uh, one time told me, he said, Joe, psychologically, people judge others by their actions and they judge themselves by their intentions. Sure. And so what it reminds me of here, Paul, is that we have a tendency to look at other people and kind of say, what have you done? And we see their brokenness, right? The actions mm -hmm. of their brokenness, and we judge them by that. Right. Instead of stopping and saying, you know, maybe this person's trying. Maybe this person is, is seeking to do better, you know? Like, or, but just even the, the assumption to assume the best of the other. Uh, but it's just not in our nature. We really struggle to assume the best of the other. And uh, then also, I think, in turn, to challenge ourselves to virtue. Certainly easy, easier to tell other people to be virtuous. <laughs> right. Maybe I should be virtuous. Right. The, uh, the conversation uh, uh, around the movie, for the most part, was really deep and really like, yeah, I, I kind of the first thing I thought was, you know what actually I appreciated the most the third time 
I think, was the cinematic nature of it. It was really a beautifully made movie, I thought. Or even, you, you didn't yeah. catch who the, the, the director is or the producers. I should, we should look that up. But I thought the movie was just well made. I thought that you could just stop and kind of look at it from a cinematography standpoint and just say, man, this is really, really a very good movie. Um, you know, it's set in Ireland, and basically the only thing to do in Ireland, as I discovered, uh, and I don't know if either of you two hooligans have been over there, but is basically go to the pubs and do nature walks. Right. So there's not a lot you can do, and that's basically what the movie was, is it was just kind of the daily gloomy, always very rainy, never really bright and sunny, kind of a daily gloomy life of an Irish community. Um, but Paul's point about forgiveness, let's, I want to bring that back and say, all right, why is forgiveness important, Paul? Why would you, why would you highlight and say forgiveness uh, is the thing that you, would you agree, I guess, with Father James, that forgiveness is the thing that's highly underrated in life? Yeah, I mean, I think because it, I mean, we're, we're coming to Easter. I mean, <laughs> like, what was Easter about? Like, the forgiveness of sin. Like, of all the things that Christ came into this world to do, it was to forgive sin. Uh, so this ability, then it goes back, I think, if I really understand the nature of it, then I have the freedom to, to not need my shield all the time because I'm I'm more apt to be able to accept my own humanity and I'm, I'm freer to be able to stand before my sinfulness and let the mercy of God continue to, to wash over that and to be patient with me in that. The other thing is, is I think if, if I can't forgive, it, 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 it becomes a resentment at times and it, be, it begins to eat away at me and the other person. Every time I see them, every time I, I, I can't let go of what they either did or didn't do and, and it, it's just so unhealthy and it, but how do you forgive? You know, how do you right. forgive someone? How do you forgive? You know, and, and that, that reality that as they're having this conversation, his daughter has no idea that she's going to need to forgive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like like the movie, and, and it's like in a real way, she's going to have to figure this out. Uh, and it's so powerfully presented in the movie. Like, right. Like, wow. So, how do you forgive? Talking about that uh, uh, conversation, uh, the first thing that strikes me is that, like, it's very, it, I can make things very textbook, like, oh, you go to confession, or oh, you say you're sorry, or like, it's very intellectual sometimes for me, but the reality of forgiveness is that it's an action, or it's, uh, you know, like, there's something deeper here that I have to address and wrestle with in my interior life and my mind and my heart. And the movie is at the heart of the thing is about forgiveness. Um, how, how would you recommend people that are say struggling with uh, things that they can't let go of or abuses or hurts that they've sustained? How does a person go about that forgiveness other than just simply saying, um, go to confession and then work at forgiving the person? What, what, should the person do it? First, you have to be looking at what is true. You have to recognize what is the need. Uh, oftentimes, if we're like just on the surface of it or we haven't quite gone into the pain of it or and we can just say the words or we can want it, 
but we aren't really in front of the thing that we need forgiveness for, or we need to offer forgiveness for. Does that make sense? Uh, so, so need. yeah. So if if uh, you kicked me when we were growing up, and what? <laughs> Never. <laughs> and I still uh, am resentful at this. Um, you know, if if I'm all over the place in my own stuff, you know, my years of of resentment and my years, uh, and I'm trying to forgive you. Well, I'm. I need to like really look at what what it is that's going on. So I might have layers of stuff going on mm -hmm. as a result of what really needs to be forgiven. I need to get to the bottom of what it. What is the thing that was? What was the transgression? You kicked me. And you did it with malice. No, you didn't, Joe. No. <laughs> but, well, I threw an ice chopper at you. Okay, you said it. I didn't. I wanted to use that one, but I didn't want to put you. You can on do it. Spot. No, no. I've yeah. used it. So I threw an ice chopper. And we're in the front yard, and I'm on one side of the yard, and he, Paul's on the other side of the yard. <laughs> and it's winter out, and we're making forts, and we're doing these things. And Paul throws <laughs> an ice chopper. You know, those things that have the little, the little pallet at the bottom of it, you know, like a platypus thing and he chucks it like a javelin across the yard it must have been i don't know it was far 20 feet at least i mean it was a long way and then i called your name yeah and then and then he said john and so what did i do i turned, turned and around <laughs> hit him right in the head. it hit me right above the eye i still if i didn't have an eyebrow i'd be able to see the wound Can you, i almost was but okay i do feel bad do you? I no. I felt so bad once uh -huh. I let, I used it as a story because once I let go, I'm like, oh my god, I I can't take that back. Ah, you mean you let go of done, having done? Oh, you mean the the, the javelin? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought of all times that I'm actually good at throwing something is yeah. when I didn't want to be. Yeah, I mean it was like yeah, bam right on right into my eye. <laughs> I also and swung a baseball bat and hit you there. I know, but that was your fault. Because I told you to move. It was my <laughs> turn duck. and you didn't move. So that one was your fault. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, so, that's actually the one I thought about. Yeah. But, but that you was, know, yeah. I didn't, I don't know where you're at with those things. So I'm healed, but I didn't want to bring up. Uh, so yeah, yeah so, so this is the, this healed, is the though. example. Okay. So here we are with this ice pick and um, I can have layers of stuff that are on top of that. Right. Okay. And if I'm living in all of that stuff, but I'm not willing to go down to what it is that really happened, I can ask for forgiveness or try and live in forgiveness and it's not going to be there. But when I get down and I realize, oh my gosh, the thing that I was wounded by is this event where the, my brother picked the ice pick and that what it really is, is I felt like you didn't really care for me. Now, again, yeah, this isn't yeah. true. I felt like you didn't care for me or you've always like, sure. if, if this was Joe, you never would have thrown it, oh, but you've yeah. always disregarded me. So you get down to right. what's really going on down when it happened. Mm -hmm. And right. then you ask for forgive. I forgive you for this. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's because it's in the reality of what really happened, it can be open to being healed. And, and our brain is actually created in a way that you can, you can, God makes it so that you can have like retraining of these sure. things and you can, and forgiveness is one of the paths yeah. that this happens. But if I want to live in all the 20 years of the other stuff that I've piled on top of that, right. then I'm never going to be able to do it. And the fact of the matter is I've, I, to my knowledge, the fact you did that has never once bothered me. 
ever in my whole life. I love telling the story. I think it's a fun story, you know, but it could have happened right. to somebody else and it yeah. ruins their whole life and they become an alcoholic yeah. because this and that yeah. and da, 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 da. So that's my thing with forgiveness is you have to get down to what really happened mm-hmm. and and then offer forgiveness or right. ask for forgiveness for what really happened, not all right. this stuff. Now, all right. that other stuff right. needs to be sorted through. Right. Like, does it require a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a bird, like... Huh, Maybe. You know, cool, yeah. huh, Right. It, it just then, depends. Just know, take the path that seems to come forward to you. And yeah, and I mean, it depends on what you're talking does about. Does it require that, though? No. No. It hasn't for me. Yeah. I mean, but it could. Like, I think the the character in the movie, like, he was traumatized. Mm-hmm. Like, so he's going right. to need, like, real psychological help as well yeah. to get to the right. root of it all. But... um. I don't know. I mean, I think I've been able. Everyday living does afford the human person, does afford all of us the ability to wrestle with these issues of our life and our past and uh, hurts and wounds and sins. We all have that capacity. Some of us may have experiences that requires real training. Some of us real capable and skilled at this. And and what I would would say to that, Joe, is... um, it does require accompaniment. I need someone else I can stand on, you know? So mm-hmm. even if it's in a realm where you just have a good friend that can help give you wisdom, who can say, hey, I think you're off there. You know, you do yeah. need someone. Right. Uh, I yeah, don't think right. you can do it on your own. And then I just say at the end is, in the end, we have to pray too for the grace. Right. Forgiveness isn't something I just decide I'm going to do. You know, you can say, Lord, I want to forgive, but I can't. Lord, yeah. help me forgive. Wow. Yeah, this is this is crazy to even think, but we got two minutes left yep. in the first half. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like holy smoke, and this I thing flew by. Yeah, flew by. What a great, great first half hour. And I do think that if I can catch just a little bit of the end, <laughs> empathy. There's a part of me that wondered if that priest could have showed empathy, would he still be alive? But he was honest. Uh, yes, he was honest, and he and he he didn't feel bad. And I think sometimes that's when people are so scandalized by the church is they feel like there's no empathy mm-hmm. uh, and, and that ability, but you can't fake empathy. Yeah. So this is the hard thing. So he was, because he's a man of integrity as well. This priest, like this priest, right. like right. integrity. And so he wasn't going to lie. And so he would rather say and be honest and say, you know what? I didn't. Right. Wow, this is fantastic. Uh, if for our listeners out there, obviously circumstances are a little different with uh, the reality of all of our lives now as we all deal with uh, the virus and the circumstances of school and work and all these things. Um, but we've been talking about the movie Calvary in the first half hour here. Some great, great insights and conversations, particularly we're just finishing up here around the conversation of forgiveness and how do we go about forgiving those deep wounds or even not deep wounds, right? Maybe those, those just experiences that have hurt us and wounded us. And sometimes it requires, uh, of all things that somebody is present with us to walk with us and to be present, accompany us as we seek reconciliation and forgiveness of our lives. We hope you'll join us in the second half hour as we continue to dig into Calvary, the movie of the month here. You're listening to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rutten Radio on the RPR Network. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more of the Rutten Brothers after these messages. 
My name is Carol Oren, and I'm from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. My daughter, Tara, is attending Mount Marty College. The thing that I really love is that whether you're in sports or not, it's like a family. Everyone cares for every sport, for every athlete, for every student. They also do fun activities. The community as a whole in Yankton, as far as giving discounts to the students, really making them feel welcome and makes them feel a part of their community. Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College. Hello everyone, Steve Splonskowski here with Real Presence Radio. During these unprecedented times of difficulty, we are challenged to review what we value most and what we cannot imagine living without. Over the next few weeks and perhaps months, we will be reminded of what a great gift the Eucharist is, because we will be separated for a time from our Lord's precious gift. Our priests and bishops continue reaching out and ministering to us still as they can through Real Presence Radio, diocesan websites, and social media. But remember that our parishes will suffer without any ability to receive support on the weekends. I ask you to consider giving as you can to make sure that our parishes, the basic building blocks of our Catholic communities, remain strong during this time of difficulty. We at Real Presence Radio remain steadfast in doing all we can to also help and assist our church in this time, and also appreciate your ongoing prayers and support. God bless you. I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus Mystic Monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, First Communion, and Confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. My name is Brad List. I'm the father of Nathan List. He started at Mount Marty in 2016. This is a gem underneath their nose that most kids in Yankton don't even realize is there. They don't understand what Mount Marty offers as a school. They offer as helping plan for your future. Example, they're helping Nathan with internships. They're, you know, looking at what kind of jobs can you get. It's good to be close to home. You don't have to come home, but you know it's always there. Lead. Serve. Impact at Mount Marty College. This is Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now, back to more faith, family, and fun with the Rutten Brothers. And we're back with Rutten Radio here on the Real Presence Network. We are your local and regional Catholic media network for all things awesome. And Catholic. You can catch us on Facebook if you want to interact with us. And I'm joined, as always, in the second half hour of Rutten Radio with my fantastic, wonderful, outstanding rock star brothers, not the cowboys, but the priests, Father Paul and Father John. What's up, fellas? That was quite the first half. What are you hoping to get from us? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, what a, what a, I don't know. I mean, well, number one, we, that first half on forgiveness is like really deep. I think we got to, I felt, I feel like I got something. Sometimes John, sure. when you're talking, I'm like, what's he saying? <laughs> and I feel like I always got to unpackage it <laughs> and be like, what do you mean? Like, what's that need? You're, you right. need. What do you mean by me? And I felt like you did it. I felt like it, it, the example you gave and like, Oh, all right. Um, because I know like I got, I have things in my life I have to work on. Uh, and so I just thought that that first half hour is really, really good, but yeah. uh, a lot of, a lot of things going on. So, yeah. And I think we left uh, them, uh, hanging. Yeah, like, we like, did. Like they we don't didn't know anything about like killer. We, yeah. So we did well this time. Yeah. Anyways. 
So, yeah. but there is another. There's another thing in the world, right? Yeah, there's uh, another. There yeah, another we're thing. we're sort of seeing the circumstances with uh, the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, and um, I think in a way it reveals the masks of the world. Uh, it's interesting. The, the mask of the world. The masks of the world. You know, we were talking in the first gotcha. half about how you know communities live, families live, people live in a way in which we put up something to kind of be a different. Uh, image than what's really happening on the inside and a way like this is showing us what's been happening on the inside of the world human community and uh how man i mean it's hard to even conceive that we are right now in the midst of not having public mass celebrated uh, you know in significant yeah, portions of the entire world theory. Tell me about your experiences. Obviously, uh, everybody, most people have an experience of their pastor and the priest from a non-inside-the-circle type deal. It's, it's a little different, I think, with me and uh, having you as my brothers. Um, so I've experienced some of this with you, but maybe share with our listeners a little bit uh, how this has affected you or how you have experienced the, these circumstances. Well, the thing that strikes me most is actually connected to the movie and the idea of holiness. Because that priest, in a way, is not your typical portrayal of what a holy priest looks like, but there's something right. really about him in the way in which he lives among that community. And and I can see in what happened to us, so I won't give the details, but the diocese last weekend uh, suspended all public celebration of the Mass. Because of our parish's circumstances, we did so one week earlier, mm -hmm. and we had to take that journey in total freedom. Nobody made us do it. We didn't have to do it, but we really had to say, what are we being called to, and how do you know what God is asking of you? Mm -hmm. How does a priest know when he's being called to lead people in a certain way? And yeah. like, what does it mean to be holy? Because one of the things you had, I had to face is if my hope and my idea of holiness is 100% or is, is in a way like rests on this public celebration of the Eucharist, I'm toast because we might as well not even meet because there's no talking about it because I'm not going to not be holy. Right. I mean, I might be a wretch, but I want to be holy. I want other people to be holy. And so it just sort of had to face, what is the idea of holiness? And what does it mean to be a priest? What does it mean to be a pastor? Uh, and I just woke up one morning and I said, I have to be faithful to what is in my heart. Right. And inside my heart is this a question. We are being asked to do something as a part of a community of people that... I am saying as a part of the church, I don't want to do, I, I don't think we have to do. And no, no groups of 250 or more meet, but then I'm calling places and saying, we just got uh, let go from the high school. Could you fit 300, 350 people? Right. It just, there was something there. And I kept thinking, I think I have to be faithful to this question. And it didn't mean it was an automatic. I mean, I had to put it in play. You have to talk to the bishop about it. You got to talk to your leadership about it. Um, and so it was super risky. And I would say, what, whatever our decision was, that was the monumental work that God gave to me mm -hmm. is, will you go into this question? Will you live something that protects you from your own? Because this is the thing is I'm afraid right. that I'm going to be perceived in a certain way. Right. 
by the faithful or anybody else out there on but, social media. Yeah, by the faithful, by social the media, or, by the articles that I'm reading that are saying those Italian priests, how dare you shut down the church? And right. and and I'm thinking, well, great, but. This isn't helping me because now I'm just now I feel more stuck and afraid than I did yeah. even if I. Um, and the thing that struck me, I won't get into all the details, but but how important it was, I was willing to take the journey and trust that God's working in these circumstances. And the thing that struck me is, almost every single person, when they were put in front of someone person they loved, when that person was given consideration in light of this coronavirus their opinion almost immediately changed. And they were like, oh, I don't think we should do this. <laughs> right. But if you didn't have that person in front of you, it was really easy to hold to an idea that yeah. we have to have mass. Uh, right. I need to receive the Eucharist. Now, it's a great suffering well, that we can't. there's still people but... out there like that that still hold that idea. I mean, sure, I, I, sure. I have, I've had a number of people call me and ask me to help them through this situation. Sure, because sure. Because they are struggling to not have mass provide for them, right? And what I've discovered almost every single time is that in dialogue and conversation with the person, almost every single time they get to the point where they're like, oh, yes, I want this so bad, but it's okay. I'm going to be all right, and I have an opportunity here to grow, learn, seek Christ in new and different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's been real, and I'll tell you what, uh, it gave me a lot of compassion for you fellas who are in the middle of it all. Yeah, it was the most difficult, probably the most, well, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done as a priest. Because I don't want to, right. I don't want that. I don't want to not, not have the people together. Uh, I can tell you, celebrating Mass these last two weekends has been the most, you know, yeah. I want to be with you. I want Is to be like with you. I want to feed you. Yeah. How would you even describe it? I can't, I don't even know if I can, I need about six months of looking back to. So right. one Paul, of the, Paul, what about you? one of the ways that I coped with it and I'm coping with it. Um, and it's not even for theological reasons. It really is for practical. I've been celebrating mass ad orientum at the high altar, which means I face to, to the East, but in this case we face to the West. So I don't have to look at the people that aren't mm -hmm. there. So well, while I celebrate mass, I'm not, focusing on the fact that my church is empty because actually on Sunday when I celebrated mass and I turned around because you're supposed to turn around, I started to cry because mm. it's like, oh. like, bah, I'm like, bah. so then I turn back around and I'm like, this is awful. Mm -hmm. Like, and the, the one thing that did, one of the things that gave me comfort is, do I believe that the angels and saints are with us? Mm -hmm. Like, do I believe that we really aren't ever alone and the grace pours out no matter what. But so that's, that's sort of been my coping mechanism is I just, the way I celebrate mass is different. Uh, cause it's just so painful because oh, yeah, people are texting me. Right people are texting and calling and they're like, can I just come? Just me. Can I just sit in the back? And I'm like, uh, well, so I, I tried doing this, right? So you were over the other day, day and I'm like trying to sneak my way <laughs> in. And I was like, well, maybe I could serve your mass for you. <laughs> All right. Right. That's how I could get in on this. Or like, uh, of course, I'm going to be able to get in on this. I got two brothers that are priests. What do you mean? I'm not going right. to get communion. Like somehow, like, and, and then it was like, no, Paul's not, Paul's not, no, this isn't going to work. Paul is yeah. not playing my game. 
and I'm going to be with everybody else, and we're not getting communion, and it's going to be Paul by himself saying Mass. Um, and, yeah. and that was good for me. It was really good for me. I just had an image, Father, Paul, as you, you said you turned around and they were gone, and that was Jesus on the cross. Father, Father, why have you abandoned me? Sure. Um, has there been a sense of abandonment at all, or a, a difficulty in this all, or, or, or no. a, a really struggle with your faith, or has it really united you and brought you closer to Christ and, and deeper into your faith? Deeper, and this is the hardest part that I can't quite seem to, to explain, and maybe, Father John, you've been able to do it better. Like, I'm trying to say to people, Christ is not bound by the Eucharist. And so you've been. this has been taken from you, can you let him come some other way? Right. Like, can you let him manifest himself in a different way? Uh, and I tried to preach on that with the man born blind. I'm like, if you would have known that he was spitting in the ground and going to rub mud in your eyes, would you have let him? Mm. No. No you way. Said, no, do it. You know, you're right. supposed to do this. Because I saw you do it over here and you just said, be, be, be able to see. And it worked. And like, so I feel like the Lord is saying, I know this is painful, but would you let me take this so that I can give you something even more profound? Mm -hmm. But we just keep going back to, but I want the Eucharist. Yeah. The other thing I think is I've been really trying to help people say, now think about people who can't receive communion because they're in an irregular marriage uh, or because they're not Catholic or all these people who, and we don't even give it a second thought. We're like, well, they shouldn't right. be receiving communion. Well, now we know how painful it is. <laughs> like, right. now we should have a little empathy in this sense. Like, oh my gosh, this is hard. Like, right. But yeah, so. and and the truth of the matter, right? We always just live where we are. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, um, something about these days is super beautiful for me, and it seems like a gift I can't believe God has given. Um. And I probably need your help, Joe, to take a more patient disposition before those that really are journeying through these days. And I do have some awareness of that, and I am cognizant of it. But I met, I went to communion every weekend. I went to communion all the time. I went to, and I still left the church. Right. I left the church. Uh, so... Um, and, and then where did I, where did everything change? In a treatment center. I met Jesus Christ, the living presence of God who saves us in an encounter in Keystone Treatment Center in Canton, South Dakota, 15 years ago. And so in a way, even through seminary, I struggled with the fact that sometimes everybody was living in a way that didn't include me. I was like, wait a minute, what you're proposing for evangelization would mean I wouldn't be here right now. Right. What are you talking about? You know, does that make sense? So I've oh, always totally. lived, I've always lived wanting and believing that the grace of Christ, while the Catholic church in the sacramental life is the fullness of that grace, always aware that it's like open in a way that is always tempting for humanity to reduce down to something we can control. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, I just literally at the parish, we have this gathering of, of adult formation. And I literally two classes before this all happened, talked about faith and what faith is. And, and faith is a prerequisite to the sacraments. The sacraments are what they are because of faith. Faith is the thing we need to pay attention to. 
Uh, and, and faith is this awareness of the presence of God now, right? The recognition Christ is here. And then the ways that we reduce it was the next class. We reduce it to piety. We reduce it to um, volunteerism. We reduce it to morality. We reduce it to spirituality, the, the way we reduce these things. Um, and, and that then we can control it. And then I can get holy by my effort. Okay. Right. So I literally was just teaching 70 adults in my parish about <laughs> these things. And I never, I never use sacramentality as one of them, but the sacraments are one of those things. We can reduce faith in Jesus down to the sacraments because then I can control how often I go and whether I receive and where I'm at with it. Mm -hmm. And so when all of a sudden this happened, I was like, oh, we are going to have to discover Christ in my family member. We're going to have to discover Christ in the sacred scriptures, the word of God. We're going to have to discover Christ in the, the um, circumstance of whatever these things are that we aren't expecting and don't want. And we're going to grow. We are going to grow in faith in these days. Uh, and that, that was, that's been my disposition before it. And I think it's happening. I had four people in the last few days, refer back to those classes. Oh, wow. And to say, yeah. Father, you were teaching <laughs> us about this. Wow. And I was so moved. I was like, wow, you were paying attention. Like, you're really growing. Uh, um, you know, and you think of like uh, Cardinal Van Tuan. Yeah. You know, he's in prison. You know, now he snuck in the Eucharist. Right, right, so right. So we right. can yep. celebrate, so we can stay there. But you just see like, God is saving us in so many ways, and this is a gift for us to say, I need him to come in a way that's even greater. And maybe on the other end of this, we will grow in our ability to propose Christ first in a way more general and let people take the journey to get to the sacrament. That first to propose Mass or first to propose Eucharistic adoration or first to propose receiving communion may be the reason people aren't coming is because they don't see he's in their life. And we seem to think that our life doesn't matter. It's all sure. about whether you come to Mass or not. I need him in my life because I'm drowning. You people don't understand what I'm dealing with. Right. But if you can propose Christ as someone that you can run into, he's a part of your everyday life, he has something to do with everything in this world, that's fascinating to people on the outside of us. Right. We, we, could, we could go after this thing for a long time. There is a lot, lot here. Um, I think it's important that our listeners, that we, that, you know, uh, jo Joseph Pieper, a great German philosopher, sa uh, says that truth lives, or the natural habitat for truth is conversation. That, that truth is found, discovered in dialogue with one another, right? I really encourage our listeners to talk with one another about these issues in a healthy way. Share your heart and your mind in a way that allows you to work with and work through and, and be patient with one another, but don't sit and fester with them. And, and I've just found a lot of real health and healing in dialogue about it. And what, what mostly I've discovered is that um, I have found, I'm gonna, I, I always think in political terms for better for worse. I have found that for a long time, I really struggled with uh, a progressive vision of the church that was communal oriented and people oriented. And we'll talk about the, the Eucharist or, or communion as the people of God, because it's, it's Jesus, it's the Eucharist. And I, I always wanted to emphasize like Holy Communion and Eucharist. Yes. 
we're not just a Eucharistic people, folks, you know, and I kind of get that. Well, now I'm put in this spot where I'm like, wait a minute, maybe there's something to this Eucharistic people thing here that I was missing out on, you know, like maybe there's something in that vision of the progressive worldview that like, you know, I, maybe I do need to be attentive to other ways of looking at the church and of the, of the sacraments and of the people of God and where I encounter Christ. And I just, it really has challenged me just to say, all right, where are the places that you kind of, um, and so what I've done is I've really reached out to create dialogue with people about these circumstances and to really talk honestly about the places that I have boxed my faith in and said, this is the proper way to do it, or this is the proper way to look at it, or this is the right, and, and to be more compassionate and saying, all right, what does all of this mean? I just had Eucharist taken from me. I see this as the source and summit, and the catechism tells me of my Catholic faith, and it's no longer present to me. Maybe that sister in Saginaw, Michigan, who told me, Joe, it's not only about adoration, it's about us as well as a Eucharistic people. Maybe there's something there that I should reflect upon and think about and say, Joe, have you encountered Christ in people, in your community, in your relationships, in your... So that that's really, I don't know, I've really kind of been put in a different spot of reflection and worldviews and... But what I realized is now we're all in this one together. Nobody gets out of this one uh, uh, without experiencing it. Financially, everybody's in the economy uh, in downswing together. Religiously, you know what? All of the, the denominations, all of the Christians are no longer able to gather. Catholics, none of us can receive communion, right? It, the priests are, are by themselves. Everybody's now being isolated. And I just thought, we're all in this together, but we're all isolated. It's really an interesting, interesting place to be as a human place, as a, a religious place. And the last, the point that comes out of it for me is this. I believe more than ever now that hope is what we need. That the hope of Jesus Christ, that that because hope is that theological virtue by which we believe that we will attain the things that are promised. Christ has not abandoned us. He has not removed himself from us. It is not that we cannot possess and consume and be present. He is still here, and we have to keep hope alive that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He has not abandoned us. We might sit on the cross just like Jesus and say, Father, Father, why have you abandoned me? And I've heard a lot of that out there. Why have you abandoned us? Why have you taken communion from us? Why is the bishop doing this to us? And I just keep saying, Joe, give people hope. I hear the Lord saying, give people hope, have hope, keep it alive. And the hope is what will help us overcome these difficult and challenging circumstances whether you're a priest or you're a lay person, whether this is business or whether this is education, whether you're a homeschool mom or a new homeschool mom, hope is alive, and we have to just run right to Christ wherever we're at, call out, and be not afraid. The thing that uh, strikes me about it is it sort of goes back to this priest uh, in the movie, that that has to be real or it doesn't make a difference. And so, well, I, you have to really have hope. And how do, how do I get that? Where does that come from? Well, from Christ. It comes from him. <laughs> but yeah. And, and hope is hope. Oh, hope is a fruit of faith. Faith is the recognition God's here right now. 
And because right. I know he's here right now in my craziness, then I have hope because I think, well, if he can be here in this nut stuff, he'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> you know, or this is like saying, hey, if he can be with me in the treatment center, he'll be with me tomorrow. You know, so you live in hope, I think is what you're saying. Right. But and right. I'm not and I'm not refuting right. you. I'm just saying I think it's connected to like that priest that it can't be fake today. Right. Like you're saying, you know, right. you really have to have hope that Christ right. is right. saving me now or he has saved me yesterday. Uh, and, and that is the gift of faith. But that comes because you recognize your need. You become poor. You become a sin. You're like, oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. I'm just a total buffoon. <laughs> well, and, and, and we know that these are theological gifts that we're given, correct? Like, we all have these. It's not like Jesus said, nope, I don't want you to have hope. You don't get that one. Like, mm -hmm. these are gifts that are given to us at baptism. Sure. But I think for, for me, what I, what I keep seeing some in my own life and in others is we've put our hope not in Christ. And so my hope is in the stock market or the government to fix this or the doctors to come up with a cure or, and, and this is where it gets really murky or the reception of Eucharist. Like that, if I could just receive communion, that would be enough. <laughs> Like there's this idea that that Christ is saying, no, am, am I enough? However I want to come to you, is that enough? Do you have hope in that? That I will choose how I come to you, not you choose how you're going to come to me. And what I feel like is we really keep telling Jesus, you've got to do it our way. And he's saying, I'm not going to. This goes back to the control piece that you're right. talking about. Because I want to be in control, right? Like we want to be in control of this, right? And right, and and right. when so I is... and when I say this too, I think I'm offering. Uh, this is sort of I feel a bit like it pivoted, but I think it pivoted now, and I understand why. Is the gift of this time and the reason it's good that it has to be real hope or real faith or whatever, is this is how you know who to follow and who to give your life to and who to ask advice to is because suddenly in, in these days, the people that really make a difference, let's stop, let's not worry about anyone else. Let's like look at who's up. The people that make a real difference in my life suddenly are very clear. <laughs> yeah. It's very clear. And I don't have time right. to to tiptoe around and to be all nice and do the Midwestern thing. No, that person is the one that really is transmitting something to me. I need you. I need your help. Can you help me look at this? Can I have a call? Can we touch base? Can we stay together in the midst of this? Could I call you again? You know, uh, right. because it's like real in them. It's real in them. Right, right, right. So what a and blessing. A beautiful thing. What a blessing, right? And, and really to, to then do that, to really say, to, to take the journey with that person. Right, right. One thing Paul said, and maybe we'll finish here, we got two and a half minutes left as we wrap up this hour, this month's uh, uh, Rutten Radio show with the crazy pandemic and uh, the movie of the month, mm -hmm. Calvary, and their reflections on forgiveness and such. Maybe one thing each of you could offer Father Paul, you told me that the Lord never takes anything away from us without being ready or desiring to give us something. Correct? Yeah. I mean, again... It, do, you, do you have a sense of something that maybe you've already received, something you've received because of something that's been taken away from you in this time? Is there a gift or a blessing that you would mention? Uh, I might have to have Father John go first. You know how I am. I won't take a month. 
but <laughs> I might need just a moment just to, to Father John, one quickly, one particular grace maybe that you've been given. That's because of I don't know if I understand like in our circumstances. circumstances. Oh, uh, the uh, the ability to grow in faith. Right. This is what right. I want. Paul. I want to grow in faith. Uh, yeah. And I think this right. is being given. It's a painful journey, but it's being given yeah. to me. All right. All for, right. for me, Father I think Paul? a real freedom to let go of everything. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, the Lord gives Lord. Uh, even when he takes away. Let us conclude with our family prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share with those around us. Direct us to the state in life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next time right here at Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. You've been listening to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. To hear today's episode again, visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and find it on the Sioux Falls podcast page. You can also find it on our app under podcasts and special events. And be sure to tune in for more Rutten Radio next month. Rotten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these planned gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Let's join together in a moment of prayer for all those needs and intentions that you have shared with this family. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Please let us know how we can pray for you by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com and click on prayer request at the top of the page.